0: Empire
1: Hello and welcome to my podcast Well for years I was a guest with Kevin Sheehan on his radio show at ESPN 980 And now on his podcast The Kevin Sheehan Show Today we're going to flip the roles here a little bit and Kevin is going to join me, and we had a long conversation about his career and also about, of course, the Redskins. So let's get going. Here's my conversation with Kevin Sheehan. This is a little bit of a role reversal here. I am joined by Kevin Sheehan, who has been on the radio for years here, has his own podcast. I suggest listening to it. Always informative, always good guests on there and a variety of topics. And Kevin, I appreciate you joining me.
2: My pleasure, John. I mean, after all of the conversations <laughs> over these many years now, you know, I get to call into your show, which I'm excited about.
1: So there, well, good. Have at it. All right, here we go. Well, I'm going to start in a very soft way because I, it's funny because like you've been on the air for a long time here um, and. I don't know how much people know about your background and all that. Well, first of all, let me ask you, um, you did the radio for so long. What's it been like for you just doing the podcast and how much are you enjoying that?
2: Uh, much more so than I ever would have thought. I mean, I, I didn't know really what to expect when, when I I left radio last summer and I had a bunch of different ideas and tried to make a couple of things work and, And this is the one that sort of made sense in the moment, and I did. I had no expectations. You know, you and I have talked about this, and Bram and I have talked about it. You know, before you guys got your podcast launched, you know, it it was. It's been great. I mean, I get to do it on on, you know, on my time, my 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 expense, the way I want to do it, and. You know, knock on wood, enough people have been receptive to it, and they're listening to it, and I'm appreciative of that. And it's different from radio. It's not live. You know, I'm recording this thing. I mean, we're, we're thinking about doing some live stuff um, in the fall when football season starts. But um, I, I like it a lot. I, 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 it's, I, it allowed You know, John, it allowed me to reunite with Tommy. I mean, Tommy yeah. and I did a midday show for seven and a half years together which was, you know, it seemed like 15 with him
1: sometimes.
2: (laughs) But I loved working with him, and he comes on with me two days a week. And Cooley usually comes on with me, you know, at least, you know, once every, you know, 10, 12 days, something like that. So that's fun, too.
1: You've also, you've got that entrepreneurial background, too. Does this kind of fit into that I know it's still, you're just talking about the same stuff. But does this kind of fit into that mindset that you have, you think?
2: yeah definitely i I mean before i got into broadcasting which was really a second professional life for me i was involved in three different startups really and this is like a startup business you know it's in it's an early stage business fortunately it doesn't require a lot of venture capital and it doesn't require a lot of employees which is perfect for me right now Um, but yeah i enjoy that part of it
1: because you started off in media channel five i think way back when
2: that was my first job. Yeah, okay, Channel Five, working for Buckhantz, working for Ernie Bauer. Um, you know, two of the best possible people you could work for in your first job as a twenty-two, twenty-three year old, and uh, and then I, I realized in broadcasting, behind the scenes in television, didn't really pay that well.
1: Okay, I was so going to ask why you why. You, okay, I was going to ask you why you jumped. That would explain everything.
2: Yeah, it was it was fun. It was so much fun. And it's really some of my good friends over the years were guys that I worked with at Channel 5. I mean, Scott was an intern there. Van Pelt was an intern there. And we became really good friends. And and Joe Yashiroff and oh, Paul yeah. Barnsworth and Larry Duvall and Ernie and Buck and Harvey Smilovitz was the best. That wow. was my first gig working for him on the weekends. And and uh, it, was, it was a great place um, to work for. And, I've always told Buck and Ernie this. I mean, a lot of people know, obviously, Buck, and fewer people know Ernie by face, but Ernie Bauer is a legendary local television guy, and both of them were just incredible guys to work for in that they were always encouraging. They always gave you more work to do. There wasn't, you know, an insecurity there. They wanted you to succeed, and that's about as good a first-job experience as anybody could have asked for.
1: So why'd you get? Why you left? And like it was a while. But why'd you get? Why'd you want to get back in?
2: You know what? I I spent fifteen years basically on the road. You know, out Monday, back Friday, traveling for three different startup companies. I wanted. I didn't want to travel anymore. Um, My kids were young. They were still young at the time. I spent a lot of time in a lot of different cities just absolutely addicted to sports talk radio Um, and I just always felt like I could do it and I just gave it one shot and and to be honest with you if it hadn't worked out and this was like in 2002 I think 2003 if it hadn't worked out like you know within six months I would have been out of it and on to something new But I got a job at 980 doing updates, and I swear to God, and Bram won't remember this, but of course I remember this. The first day that uh, Todd Castleberry and Chris Johnson put me on the air doing updates was on a Saturday when Bram was at the Preakness doing his Saturday show live. And I did updates during Bram's show. And I had never done them before, had no idea even how to do an update, but I just told him I knew how to do it, and somehow it worked out.
0: Well, that's because I was, was dr- all... I was drinking all day, Kevin, and that's why it's told <laughs> I was going to say it, that. It was the one show where I was allowed to be in the infield and drink all day. <laughs> yeah.
2: like, I
0: was going to say I, that, but I, I, wanna...
2: you know, I don't even know if we've talked about this, but I swear to God, you know, everybody remembers the first time they ever went on the air. And that was the first day. Castleberry said to me, can you do updates? I said, sure, I can do updates. Can you do them on Saturday? And this was like on a Thursday. I said, absolutely. So I listened on Friday to like, you know, Scott Lynn and (laughs) whoever else was doing it, Meredith Joseph. And I listened to them and then I just figured out how to do it. And, uh, you know, apparently it wasn't so awful that they asked me back for like the next few weekends And then it got, then it was all luck after that, because if you you remember Meredith, Meredith was doing early morning updates. She went on maternity leave. I said, I'll do that. And I did that. She never came back from maternity leave and just one thing led to another. So it was really lucky too, because I had to be sort of in the right place at the right time (laughs) for something to happen. If, If not, I would have just gone on to the next, you know, the next entrepreneurial startup company.
1: But do you really look at, I mean, and some of that can be modest, just thinking it's luck, but you have to put yourself in that position, too, and then you have to make it work. So it's a little bit more than just luck.
2: No, that's true. I mean, I I do believe that because, obviously, if I completely sucked, it wouldn't have worked (laughs) out. But the truth of the matter is, I mean, and we all know this, like we've had a lot of talented people come, you know, come through 980 or the different stations everybody's been at. And there just hasn't been an opportunity, you know, there. For for me, it was literally within two weeks, two or three weeks, Meredith, who was doing early Hmm. morning updates, and she was great, by the way, went on maternity leave. And no one wanted to come in at, you know, 445 in the morning to start writing updates for 6 a.m. And I said I would do it. I I still actually had a job with a company that we had sold, and I had to leave there at, at 1045 and go to Owings Mills, Maryland, um, where the company I was with had been sold, uh, and I had, a you know, about a six-month contract to stay there. And so I did that for six months, and then Kornheiser came back to radio, mm-hmm. did his show there, and I started doing updates during his show, and that's that was really like, the you know, another lucky break is that he, you know, it worked out with me doing updates on his show because it doesn't work out, as Bram will tell you, with everybody doing updates on his show. But it worked out, (laughs) and that just gave me more exposure.
0: I've got no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Kornheiser never liked me very much, but and I don't even know why. But you know, but I I fall into the category. Actually, I fall in the large majority category of people he doesn't like. Kevin is, is one of the true? actual I, select I, few I, I, I in the, to the, to the that bucket that he does like. So I don't I don't not upset about it. I know that I am in that large bucket of people <laughs> that he doesn't like.
2: Is that true? I mean, I didn't say. that because know. I thought
0: <laughs> he didn't like you. I, I, I had no idea. Oh, I don't know. I he's just never I, given me I the time of day. True. So I have no idea. <laughs> I have no real idea. I had, like, literally, I'm i not kidding you. I've, I, I replaced him you know, like on the radio. I have literally had one conversation with him um, or two. One when I was really young and he was working. This is the first go around when he was um, doing his show. And then the second one was over a beef that I got into with Michael Wilbon. And he called me and essentially asked me to stop. And but that's it those are the only conversations I've ever had with him and what makes me sad about saying it is that I revered that guy like read him growing up loved him on the radio think he's one of the most talented people ever and I hate the fact to this day that I am among the bucket of people he does not like or care to spend any time with and I am so eternally jealous of you that you guys have been BFF for whatever it is a dozen years
2: (laughs) I, well, first of all, you know, I think sometimes when, you know, people fall into that bucket of of people that he doesn't really like, he has no idea why he actually doesn't like (laughs) them, and and usually can be swayed in one conversation, but anyway... um, that, that was, for me, that, that was like a huge, I mean, it really was fortunate that A, you know, Meredith went on maternity leave, and then B, like three weeks after she left and I was doing mornings, Kornheiser came back to do local radio.
1: Coming up, moving off Kevin's career, now we're going to talk about what you really want to hear about, and that's the Washington Redskins. Welcome back. Here's more of my conversation with Kevin Sheehan of The Kevin Sheehan Show, and in this segment, we're going to discuss the Redskins offseason. I'll wrap up the memory hour portion of the show, and let's skip ahead to the Redskins, which is what, you know, people want to hear what we have to say about that, so let's get there. Um, Redskins offseason, how would you rate it?
2: I mean, you know, uh, they've certainly taken victory laps based on their off season. I, I, I mean, I think you know, I, I said this in January. I thought it was going to be a different off season because I was convinced there was no way Dan Snyder was going to allow Bruce Allen to sell him, you know, a bunch of mid, middling free agents on great deals like right. you know the days of Kendall Reyes and Paul Richardson and. And, and that group... Kendall
1: he Reyes. Some, Oof.
2: Yeah, he, he needed some juice to this off season. I mean, we all saw what happened at the end of last year. And it, it, was a, it was a slow deterioration over many years, but it accelerated last year to the point where, you know, you had an opening game where the stadium was half-filled. Right. You had a huge game against Houston in early November um, where the stadium was a quarter empty, and then everybody knows what happened at the end of the year um, in the Philadelphia game. So I just, I, I you know... He can't be so detached that he didn't realize that his customer base was basically leaving in droves. And I thought this was going to be an offseason where he tried to give it a jolt. And they signed Landon Collins. I think they absolutely you know, were interested in Antonio Brown. I don't think he was interested in coming here. Um, You know, there were others like Golden Tate, who I'm pretty sure they made a run at. But, you know, Golden Tate didn't want to be here. So they were active, more active than they had been in free agency, at least attempting.
1: Went hard after John, went hard after Mosley, CJ Mosley. Went hard
2: after CJ Mosley. And then, you know, and then came the draft. And I think, you know, all of us in, you know, that 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 follow this team and are in the media and cover this team, we all know what the story was, Dan. Dan legitimately took over that first round and the football people did not have Haskins as a top 15 pick in the draft, Um, but Dan did. And so he goes 15 overall, but it's a quarterback and there's a lot of juice that comes with, you know, drafting a quarterback in the top 15 and a guy that's local. Um, I did like, you know, as much as you can like a draft because it's the hardest thing in the world to actually analyze because nobody really knows you know now. You know we'll all know three, four years down the road. Right. But I loved Montez Sweat as a college football fan. Uh, me too. I loved Bryce Love. The the morning of of of, the, of Saturday. You know there were two guys. Like I tweeted out, I want Bryce Love and Kelvin Harmon. Like there you two go. players that I thought would be there, and they got both of them and you know i i didn't know anything about jimmy moreland and apparently you know cooley says this guy's a lot to make the team and more likely than not will be their, their their nickel corner you know week one so you know it looks good right now it looks like they had a productive off season i i just i i it worries me that the owner got significantly involved in the draft where i don't think he has in in recent years anyway um and i and i was not a you're you're an ohio state guy guy john right. i just was not a big haskins fan during the course of the college football season but what do i know so hopefully hopefully it'll work out it could be dan's finest moment if haskins turns in to their true long-term franchise quarterback
1: well it'd be funny to see how it gets played cuz you know how things you know when it's always the look back after a quarterback leaves here where the blame gets assessed, and and we'll hear, you know, there's always more that comes out at that time, whether it's Robert, Don McNabb, you know, Cousins, whomever. Um, but also, you know, with the one thing, Kevin, with the with the quarterback, and where like he was taken fifteenth. If you, part of me does think, and I, you know, I know with Dan's involvement, I think you know, the thing that I always heard is like they knew who he liked. It wasn't like he was sitting there watching film, doing any of that, but they definitely knew who he liked um and if depending like if the quarterback's 20 and you need a quarterback taking him at 15 to me isn't that bad
2: no i look if if you're if you're right just like if the giants end up being right about Daniel jones who the hell cares where they took him i mean you could say oh the, the giants could have gotten him potentially with their their other first you know their their later first round pick and That may or may not be true. We don't know what Denver would have done had Daniel Jones been on the board. Um, We don't know um, what Cincinnati may have done if Daniel Jones had been on the board. We know that there were teams in front of the Redskins that had quarterback needs that eventually took quarterbacks um, that didn't take Dwayne Haskins. We don't know what they would have done with Daniel Jones, but... No, if it works out, nobody's ever going to care about where he got took or the circumstances right. around it. Although, I think in this case, John, if he turns into a star, you know, I, I think all, most of us will remember this was, you know, uh, D- Dan really liked this kid, really pushed for this kid, and, you know, he'll get credit for it.
1: And, and you know, it's funny, too, because it was also you have a coaching staff that needs to win now. And, you know, my belief has always been you do what's best for the organization. I think this is a classic test case of that, because if if Haskins, I don't know what he's going to do this year. If he doesn't do a whole lot this year, if if Keenum or Colt McCoy are out there doing their thing or whatever, and they don't have to play him, you know, or, you know, he doesn't play to the last six, eight games. I don't know. Um, But if he develops long term, then it's then it's a win. And it may not be this coaching staff that benefits either, at least not all of them. You know, and I think that's yeah, another a, factor in this whole thing.
2: It's a real interesting. I mean, look, if if the if one of the goals was to make the team somewhat intriguing or more intriguing than they were at the end of twenty eighteen, it's been accomplished at least oh, for
1: absolutely. me. It has been. Oh, for me, for me, and the large dilemma lessons.
2: is: Does Jay Gruden need to develop Dwayne Haskins, or does he need to get to the playoffs? Because they, if he needs to get to the playoffs, then my guess is. That his preference would be to play one of his other two veteran yep. quarterbacks, if even Colt, even if Colt McCoy could even play by the time we get to the regular season, and you know rest on a really strong defense and a veteran quarterback and a veteran running back, and let's try to go nine and seven and get the six seed and save my job. But I, I think you could argue that the more important part of his job this year is to develop Dwayne Haskins yeah. and during the second half of that season for the arrow to be, you know, pointed upward on Haskins. And, and by the way, for Haskins to really like Jay and want to continue yeah. to work with Jay, there's a and John. And I, I, I think you and I may have talked about this on my podcast last week,
1: the Kevin Sheehan there's show only
2: been one coach in the last 10 years in the NFL that has missed the postseason four years in a row and gotten a fifth year. And that was Jeff Fisher. And that's because (laughs) they were moving to to L.A., and maybe they just didn't want to deal with a coaching change at that point. They wanted to get settled. Um, But Tom Coughlin got fired after winning a Super Bowl and missing the postseason for four years in a row. And you know what? John Harbaugh would have gotten fired had they they missed the postseason for a fourth year in a row last year. Super Bowl-winning coaches – does Jay Gruden get a fifth year if they miss the playoffs?
1: And, and I, that's Maybe. it's a great question. And I think the one thing that'll be interesting, and you brought up in somewhere, I can't remember where I was asked about the scenarios for Gruden and keeping his job is like would it be better for him to go eight and eight with with Haskins ascending at the end of the year and miss the playoffs or to go 9-7 and seven with Case Keenum and make it. I think it would be better for him to go 8-8 eight and eight with Haskins ascending because then you ha- you're setting yourself up for the future and you know what you're starting to get. And I think this is a good staff for a guy like Haskins because I like Kevin O'Connell – I, I, I like what I think he's going to do with this offense and with Haskins. And I, I like the fact that you have an, another NFL quarterback in Tim Rattay who's going to be working with him. So it's a good setup for him. But I still, you know, I, you know, so that's what I'm wondering, too, is like what's the best case scenario for Gruden if they don't make the playoffs? Could he still keep the job in that you know, situation where it's, again, eight and eight and, a, and an ascending Haskins?
2: Yeah, the eight and eight with the ascending Haskins is good for Jay if Haskins and Haskins give Jay credit. Well, for him.
1: And they're, they're, if yeah. they
2: give Kevin O'Connell.
1: Then O'Connell will be the next
2: coach. <laughs> yeah, then then <laughs> Jay that Jay could be done. And don't so, t-
1: and um, nobody should take that as a report from me. I'm just saying it out here with Kevin. But I know <laughs> some things get taken. But that's just. But that would be that would be a scenario too that you'd have to look at. Um, you know, right. do you do you sense is there a different level of hope though because there is a what a young quarterback brings?
2: I think so, but I also think that we get wrapped up into this stuff a lot more than the average, than the fan that used to be diehard that is checked out, which is a large group. Of people. I don't know that Dwayne Haskins is going to rope them back in without having thrown one NFL pass. I have too many of my friends that were longtime season ticket holders who, over the last three, four years, have essentially checked out. And, you know, all of that is reflected in attendance numbers and TV numbers and all of that. So while I'm having a conversation with them about the draft and telling them that Montez Sweat has a chance to beat, you know, Von Miller and they got a rookie quarterback and, and, it's I don't think it's registering. They know it's happening. I don't think it gets them excited until Haskins is, you know, ready to start a game and starts producing a little bit. And you know, winning will always I think winning it will be, you know, the business answer for the Redskins to get people back. But just you know, an exciting young quarterback without the winning isn't going to do it.
1: So, when you look at this, because you were on the air when when Robert Griffin III comes here and the level of excitement that greeted him, how would you compare it to now?
2: Uh, the RG three, the, the RG three thing was over the top. I mean, this isn't comparable. First of all, you had more of your you know fan base still alive, right. and well, and I'm I'm not saying literally, but actually interested in well. So. That was a true jolt. You also had, you know, a borderline Hall of Fame coach with, you know, some of us knew, you know, a very creative and very bright young offensive coordinator. And RG3 was a true star. I mean, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. He was a star. He played the game uniquely. And, you know, he was the number two pick in the draft. Um, I don't think this... I think this is a fraction of what that was in terms of excitement.
1: And, And I would agree with that. When do you think... Haskins starts. And are you are – you? do you still – I think when we've talked before, you were kind of on that game, the week one thing. Where, where are you at now?
2: Well, I'll tell you what, after and I say this in all sincerity. After reading your story the other day, mm-hmm. um, and I think I had you and Mike Phillips and J.P., I forget who else yeah. was on the show, um, with your guesses like a week and a half ago, I don't think he's going to start the opener. I, yeah. think, I think your story, by the way, which was a really good story from Friday – um, on you know you got Jay Gruden one on one and he mm-hmm. talked a lot about you know where Haskins is right now and it's still early and a lot of this you know may not hold up by the time we get you know midway through training camp but what I read from that is Case Keenum is going to start the season and when they're comfortable that Dwayne Haskins can get in the huddle can call a play can can play without having to think too right.
1: much and that's can a key
2: play in in a more comfortable setting they're gonna they're gonna hold him back until he's ready to do that and I would bet that it wouldn't be early in the season you know super early in the season like the opener it might come later in the season midway through the season I know a lot of you a lot of people have said it's the Miami game after five weeks or six weeks whatever that is but um I'm starting to think that, that it's gonna be Keenum to start the season.
1: And and I've I've kind of always been there mainly because yeah, I know just mainly because I know in talking to them just their thoughts on how, you know, what they need to see from him before they get to that point. And one of the things that Gruden in, in the article that you were talking about that I had was was the point was like getting him to quicken his feet, which means that he's really what that starts what that starts with is being able to read process defenses at a quicker rate and it's not about how smart he is it's about about having a lot to learn because I think that one of the things that people like about Haskins is his intelligence but it takes a while to learn and then to play not just learn it but then to play freely and even Haskins will will admit that you know learning for a year is going to do him a lot of justice doesn't mean he doesn't think he can play this year but that he knows what he has to learn so you know
2: you had you had some quotes in there from him that I thought were, at least in reading them, were telling that he's very patient. You know, he said something like, I just want to be ready to play week one, whether that's this year or next year, mm-hmm. I think was the quote. You know, I'm paraphrasing probably. And there was something about um, from, uh, you know, earlier in your story about him not worrying about, you know, playing in this first year. So th- there seems to be some self-awareness on his part to a certain degree, you know, he's got to be completely ready and comfortable before he can play.
1: And I think that self-awareness is, is very accurate. And, and he's always been a worker too. And and the, you know, people I've talked to in writing stories about him before the draft, even that that was the thing that always jumped out, which I think um, is a, is a good thing for a quarterback to be. And he works on the aspects of the game that I think you need to as a quarterback, the film room, and, you know, and, and, and getting, you know, understanding how he needs to be in sync with his receivers. He's also somebody who picks the brain of cornerbacks, Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie. He'll talk to, you know, the coaches after plays and stuff. So he seems to get that part of it. What would it be like if you're watching this summer for you to say just watching at home, is there going to be anything he can show you in the preseason that you say, hey, maybe he is ready?
2: Nothing. I don't think we'll learn anything from the preseason games other than what Jay tells us. Or, you know, we read between the lines with Jay. Jay's pretty direct. (laughs) He's a pretty pretty easy read most of the time. Yeah, those
1: lines aren't hard to read most of the time.
2: And I think we'll learn much more about what Jay Gruden says about Dwayne Haskins than us watching Haskins and training camp or in a preseason right. game. Yeah, I just think that the pre, you know, the NFL preseason for for us, you know, tends to reveal hardly anything. I mean, how many times have we watched something and then you get to the regular season opener and it's a completely different group of players that are even playing well, in the game and, and-, and contributing. So uh, it's, it's it's an awful product, the NFL preseason, and I think we learn much more about what the coaches say about their players than what we see on the field.
1: Coming up, the final part of our conversation with Kevin Sheehan, we discussed Bruce Allen's job as president with the Redskins. Welcome back, and here's the final part of my conversation with Kevin Sheehan. We discussed the Redskins' leadership at the top, with owner Dan Snyder and president Bruce Allen. Let's go back to Montez Sweat, because I'm with you on this guy. What did you see? Why were you saying that this? You got to get this guy. Why, what did you see?
2: I mean. I, you know, and I know you feel the same way to a certain degree. I love college football as much as I love the NFL. And uh, Mississippi State had the baddest-ass defense in college football last year. That that includes Clemson. That includes Bama. They were an absolute lockdown defense. In fact, if you go back to the game they played against Alabama, they beat the you-know-what out of Alabama up physically. It was so impressive to watch them all year long defensively. They just could not score against good defensive teams, which is why, you know, they ended up having, you know, an eight and four season or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly what it was, but sweat. And, you know, very early on for me, it was, you know, number nine, whoever number nine is Hmm. that dude's unblockable, you know, and you're, you're watching them play in these sec games and you know, they're playing against the best. And between him and, and the safety Abram and that guy Simmons before he got hurt, they just had so much talent and they were so athletic defensively. And Sweat to me looked like one of those guys that could line up on the edge and, and be, you know, a legit havoc wreaker, which this franchise has not had no. in so long. And it so impacts the results of NFL games. I hope he's what. I think he is. You know, I know there were the heart issues that may have been misdiagnosed. There were some, you know, some character issues apparently. But all the coaches have said great things. I had John Allen on the show the other day. He said he's an absolute beast physically. Yeah, Like, it's just so obvious, um, his physical abilities. Uh, Let's hope, you know, everything else matches that because – he could be a difference maker for
1: him. He can, and it's funny because before the draft, he was one of those guys like, yeah, I probably should look at him, but there's no way he's going to be there at 15. But I'll look at him just in case because you never know, and the you never know situation developed, and I'm glad I watched him because I really liked him. It was like this is the guy you got to get, and but like there's no way he's going to fall to you at 15. So when this situation developed, they when they went and traded for him and get in the back of the first round, I thought it was a terrific move. Um, but I like that he to me he played with some violence. Um, but he showed, you know, showed terri- you know, really good ability coming off the edge. But I also liked the way he ran and ran to the ball and. I always watch for that. Like when you're watching a linebacker or a lineman like that, if he's always showing up in the picture at the end of the play, I pay attention to that. And I always felt like he did that. And that just spoke to me to the competitiveness and to desire whatever. It's 24 nothing against Alabama, and they were losing, and he's still always showing up in the frame late in the game. And I just felt like that said something about him in addition to the talent. And that's why I felt like he is a really good guy for them to get.
2: Yeah, um, that that game was one of those games where it, the score was not reflective. No, it was not how competitive the game was. Right. Um, Mississippi State, Nick Fitzgerald was you know terrible. They wouldn't even really let him throw the ball. He was he, you know they he was a running quarterback, but they had a touchdown taken away from him right before that right. end of the first half. Um, they they I, you know Alabama. I hadn't seen Alabama in in multiple years, except maybe against Auburn the year before you know, miss so many third down conversions, you know, getting, taking sacks, getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage. It was just, you know, when you watch Bama and Clemson the last few years and they're playing a game which you think they should roll in and they were probably a 25-point favorite against Mississippi State or whatever they were that day, and you see them struggling offensively, you know that other team's good. right? Like really good. And Mississippi State, I thought, was the best defensive college team I watched all year.
1: I got two more for you, two more topics, um, and then that'll be it. Um, Louis Riddick, I had him on the show recently, and he felt like he had seen, he had met, he bumped into Dan Snyder on the sidelines before a game, and in talking to him felt like maybe he had either, I don't know, changed, matured, evolved, whatever word word you want to use, um, but he felt he saw a difference in him. From your perspective, do you see a difference in him or the way the organization operates because of that?
2: I don't. I I don't see that at all. I I, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. There have been, like, different iterations of Dan. There was the young owner who, you know, didn't, according to to many people, treat people well, was treating the league like it was his own personal fantasy football team, and obviously that didn't work. Then he got out of the way for Joe but really, when Joe got here, Joe included Vinny, you know, yeah, on, on the personnel side, you know, much more so than he should have. And then the Zorn thing was a disaster. He blamed Vinny for it. But that was a good thing because it finally got Vinny out of town. And then Mike came in. And, I, you know, personally, you know what I think about him. I, I think that, that if he had stayed out of the relationship with RG3, which sabotaged, you know, the, the entire situation there in two, at the end of 2012 and in 2013. Um, I think it would have worked out much better for Griffin had he stayed with the shanahans and and been more you know and in, in, in been made accountable you know and and told by the owner they're they, they, you work for them, you don't work for me. you work for them and it, it just didn't work and then you know we we've seen him take like Cooley said hiring Bruce Allen, was Dan's attempt at being a good owner. And he did give, you know, Bruce and the personnel staff much more responsibility. And, you know, you know, John, he's been out of the building and out of the country yeah. more over the last 10 a years than he was during his first 10 years of, of owning the team. But uh, the, the results are the results. And, and this organization is, you know, even an off season where it looks like they've done some good things – and they certainly, you know, the team president certainly took, you know, victory laps for, you know, in the media. And then here we go in the last two weeks, the most respected player in the locker room was certainly one of them, you know, according to reports once out. Um, it's, it's just always something with him. So and I don't think he's I don't think he's changed. And until he has a, a true epiphany and hires quality people and, and people that he can can give total autonomy to. Um, I don't think the results will ever change you know you can always have that one year that every NFL team has where you get a little bit lucky and you stay healthy and you go 10 and six 11 and five and win a playoff game but hell they haven't even had the season where you go 11 and five no. since 1991 um, you know you've had many you know perceived worse organizations have better seasons than they've had but uh, I don't see it
1: last one Kevin and speaking of you know with going to the following the Snyder theme, and one of the guys you talk about, Bruce Allen, how would you rate what he has done? You know, I know we know what the record is, and the last four years they've been around 500. they They've had a whatever their offseason is, however you want to dictate it or however you want to describe it. What have you thought about what he's done and where he's going with this team?
2: Well, it's not very good, but, you know, the funny thing is You know, when he came in, it was a completely different mindset. They became more responsible fiscally from a roster management standpoint, so much so that, you know, Bruce's claim to fame is getting incredible deals on subpar players. Um, But he's not good at picking players. They haven't been, as as a group collectively, very good at picking players. I like some of the young talent on defense. I don't think that there's anything um that anybody could say to to change my mind that they've actually taken some pretty good young players yeah. defensively. But, you know, they've got coaching issues. They tried to replace Minuski. Um no one wanted the job. You had two to three coaches leave for lateral positions. You had to pull guys out of retirement to take jobs in this organization, to coach it. Um Bruce has been a disaster as a as a as a team president and and I don't see how it turns around so significantly that I and, and I think a significant part of the fan base change our minds. Um, I do think, John, and I may be crazy because I felt the same way last year. I do think if twenty nineteen uh, doesn't you know doesn't turn around and it's not obvious to everybody that the arrow's pointing up, I think this is going to be his last year here. But most people think I'm crazy.
1: Yeah, you know, and I don't, and I. I've, you hear different things over the over the last year or so or last year or two. And so I'm just going to say, well, we'll see what happens because I, I don't know. And there are some times where I thought, well, I wonder if he'll be on the hot seat. Then you hear that he's not. And then you hear that maybe he is or that Dan's mad and blah, blah, blah. And so I think we're just going to like – I'm going to let it play out. And then we're going to probably hear more about this as the season goes. If it's going like last year in terms of the attendance and if it's not going well on the field – And I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about that. Hey, Kevin, listen, I appreciate you coming on here. And for everybody listening, again, the Kevin Sheehan Show, you're doing it every day, right? I mean...
2: Every day. Yeah. Monday through
1: Friday. That's a a hell of an effort there. But um, anyways, please tune into that. Again, the Kevin Sheehan Show, worth your listen. And Kevin, thank you for coming on.
2: John, my pleasure. Bram, thanks.
1: All right, well, that'll do it for this week. Thank you very much to Kevin Sheehan for joining me. And as always... Thank you for tuning in because again, without you, there is no podcast.